Now is the time to submit quietly. We control all you hear and feel. You are about to enter a great adventure and experience the awe and mystery from your ultimate fantasies to your deepest fears from which you may never return. Welcome back to episode eight of Strutting from Gorilla. We are here. We are live. Uh, we are excited to get going today. We are talking about the best heels and the best faces of all time. That's on the docket today. Um, we have with us, we're going to do it a little differently. We have with us today, Mr. Matt Manganelli. Hey, Vito, thanks. Uh, I just wanted to make a quick comment, get my two cents about something that happened this week in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, there was a big debut in AEW of a guy named Miro, formerly known as Rusev. Um, and as listeners of this podcast might know, I am a huge Rusev fan, and now I'm a huge Miro fan. Uh, I just wanted to give a little bit of my two cents on what he said in the ring and, uh, and how that pertains to wrestling in general. He made a comment where he said, he, was, he spent the last 10 years chasing an imaginary brass ring. And the brass ring was a, a comment that was alluding to a 2014 interview on the Stone Cold podcast with Vince McMahon, where he said, and I quote, the current superstars are not as ambitious. They don't necessarily want to reach for that brass ring. And he also stated that they're millennials. Uh, so my thought on that, I just thought it was really, really interesting. I think it was it was a great thing to to really comment on in the ring. And AEW was a shot right across the bow at WWE for a couple of reasons. Firstly, what does reaching for the brass ring mean in a predetermined business? Okay, we don't know because Vince McMahon is pulling all the punches behind the scenes. The the performers can't do what they want to do. Okay, uh, and finally. If you're going to reach for the brass ring, that means that WWE should be listening to their fans. And if the fans are booing Roman Reigns, that means they do not like Roman Reigns, which means you have to push another superstar. And a guy like Rusev would have been perfect. And and that's just my two cents of the week. And I'll pass it along to Mikey Cash. Uh, first off, Mango, that was amazing. That, I agree 100% with everything you just said. And I don't say that often. So thank you. Uh, to my two cents, I'm really happy for Finn Balor. Congratulations. He is now NXT champion once again after defeating Adam Cole after they had a two-way tie in a fatal four-way 60-minute Iron Man match, which I can give my thoughts at another time on that. But really cool to see Finn Balor uh, back at the top of the mountain again. And AEW Dynamite this past week was really good. A, again, the debut of Miro was was awesome. It was great to see now Miro Day back in there. So wonderful. And that's my two cents. Thank you, Mikey Cash. And to the leader of men, Mr. Bobby Stone. Good evening, gentlemen. Always happy to be back. Uh, just want to let you guys know that we are really starting to come together, uh, starting to grab some more listeners. Um, and to everybody who's currently listening, we want to thank you. 
uh, keep supporting us uh, and keep spreading the love around. Uh, everybody from as local as Massachusetts to as far of a distant land as New York. Just kidding. India, California, Texas. Uh, we love you. Uh, keep listening. Uh, we got some Virginia fans and Florida fans too. Uh, so we're starting to see some some noise over there. So want to thank you. And uh, that's all I really have today. I have been doing this weird thing where it's uh, been enjoying a vacation after Labor Day. So I hope everybody enjoyed the Mount Rushmore special. Um, and that's that's where I'm at right now. So Vito, gentlemen, I'm really going to be behind the scenes on this one. So I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thank you, Bobby Stone. And also, if you are a fan, please follow us on Twitter at from underscore gorilla on the Twitter machine. Uh, we have we have lots of fans under there o- over there ready to uh, ready to tweet at us. Oh, yeah. And just as Macho Man would say, we are ready to go. We are ready to go. If you have some ideas, thoughts, comments, you hate what what Bobby Stone has to say, just feel free to tweet at us. And we'll be good to go. Um, but today, let's let's get to the let's get let's get to what we have uh, on, on the docket. Um, I want to touch on something before we we get into the topic of the day. First thing is, um, I know we kind of talk about this a lot, but the uh, the control of WWE. Mango kind of mentioned it with his opening statement about uh, about. Uh, uh, Rusev, the artist formerly known as Rusev on AEW. And, um, you know, it's important that we talk about this because I feel like these wrestlers are in a weird state right now. WWE kind of has this stronghold over wrestlers, calling them independent contractors. And I feel like AEW is trying to change that to some degree. And Vince McMahon recently came out and banned uh, the wrestlers from going on uh, Twitch and cameo uh because they are they're taking an income and wwe is basically not getting a cut cut off of it they think that they're promoting their names through all this marketing effort and they should be compensated to some degree it was not received well and i wanted to hear what you guys had to say about that well i i actually ended up writing something about this so go to wrestlingwithstuff.wordpress.com i have something up there about how bothered i am I'll give you a snippet of how much this fucking band bothers me because I think, you know, to, to your point, Vito, they're not getting their cut. And in their eyes, they see the, the wrestlers as property. And so what that means is their name, their legal name, according to some leak of WWE contracts that while you're signed, they, they even can make money off of your legal name. So by using their those names, those wrestling names on Cameo, TikTok, Twitch, like you were mentioning, they're they're using WWE's IP, intellectual properties, and all that. And I'm not going to pretend to be some business expert and tell you that this is com- like complete garbage. But from like a human standpoint, it feels like absolute trash because not only are you doing this and limiting their income in a in a business in general that has been known to to chew athletes up, spit them out. And how many times have we seen guys struggling financially because they really weren't set up with the tools anyway to be saving their money as as well as not being paid, uh, you know, correctly because they're viewed as independent contractors, 
that are exclusively only able to work for WWE, which the last time I checked, that makes you an employee. So they they use this sort of exclusivity with them. And in all ways, they treat them like employees, except for providing them with benefits and the like. And 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 really, I'm, I'm going off topic here. But but bottom line is, it's it's pretty terrible what they're doing to them. They're they're limiting their income in during a pandemic, mind you, when globally people are struggling financially. So now they're adding this hit on top of it. And it just seems very unfair to these wrestlers who who are really, you know, trying their hardest to to kind of have this get this investment from the fans through things like Cameo and TikTok, which makes them want to tune in as a fan, which tuning in equals ratings, which ratings is everything that they seem driven by. So it seems like self-defeating i would agree with you there mike i think the other thing with this too is uh we talked about the whole cog in wwe not wanting to make these stars that walk out like we talked about with austin walking out i mean there haven't been big stars and i think by doing this they're only shooting themselves further in the foot here because by having these big things like twitch what made wwe great back in the day with these big stars is you would see them on Saturday night live, or you'd see them on mad TV or whatever it might be. And they were in the mainstream media. And nowadays you don't see that. You don't see anyone doing that stuff besides maybe like the Indy 500. Right. And, and and to your point, what you got in those, in those types of segments. And when they showed up on like Letterman or Saturday night live or at, at races, you got genuine interactions with them. You didn't get something that was cookie cutter, that was definitely heavily scripted or that had a certain parameters that they couldn't go outside of with what they do on Cameo and TikTok. They can do that. And that's what I mean by you get to form this connection with the fans that you don't normally get to see on TV, because maybe on SmackDown and Raw specifically, they don't get the chance to to really uh, show their their personalities as much as they might be able to on on those types of apps with, with their, with their fans. And so it's, it's just another matter of events controlling the narrative, controlling how we see the product to how he wants it to be presented. And that's very myopic. And I think it's extremely narrow and, and outdated, really outdated. So to Mike, to, to your point, one of the things that I wanted uh, to jump in on was actually uh, the, the controlling component, right? So there's certain parameters that creative can write has full uh, full control over and what cameo, twitch, things like that uh, there is um, you know for all of the sex tapes that have leaked for uh, a lot of the brand damaging components, a publicly traded company has something has has, some sort of component where they want to actually do everything the in their, do everything in their favor to keep the brand keep the brand the going brand strong. Yeah. Uh, so so I understand why. Uh, you know, one of the things that Vince has certainly uh, you know he was talking about potentially canning some people out of here only. Uh, you know, if they if they don't go with the certain protocols, right? So you've got uh, for right now, as long as they're not actually going on on Twitch shit like that, they gave them a month to 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 capture that income. Uh, but it also gives them a little bit of wiggle room 
to figure out what it is that they want to do because that 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 connection right now is going to be on a virtual landscape. And in order for the WWE to control it properly, uh, I think they need to get their team in on, you know, their digital marketing team to to work with the wrestlers to do certain things in a better light. I, I believe I saw a couple of racy photos with Paige not too long ago, which didn't hurt my eyes, but you know, it could have been uh, out of out of uh, out of control of um, you know WWE's um, marketing. Yeah, they they lose their grip. They lose exactly. Their yeah. No, I I I hear what you're saying. You have a very interesting point there, Bobby, because you're taking it more from the brand side, you know, and we're kind of looking at it. it's kind of like in the NFL and the NBA uh, or MLB. It's like owners versus uh, versus players, right? And I. I see your point. I just think that, yes, I, you know, maybe this particular part is what damages WWE is the, the stockholders. And I, I think we all agree there. You know, ever since they've gone corporate, it's been the same thing. It's slowly gone into this cookie cutter mold that we talk about all the time. But I mean, it's just, you guys can attest to it. It's night and day between AEW and WWE. I mean, you can see the difference. You can see the creativity. You can see people are different. Nobody's the same. You can see they take ideas from the wrestlers. I was reading something, Mango, about um, Rusev and how he actually wanted to go against Kurt Angle um, for his last match where it was going to be Russia versus USA. And they said no, and they ended up pushing um, Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. And it's like... Uh. It's that type of thing where, you know, they basically told him they were like, we can't do it because Kurt Angle, we don't want to see him die in our ring. Because they didn't think he was healthy enough to be in the ring. But then they ended up going against that and he wrestled anyway. So I, I don't know where they're going. I think there's just a lot of moving parts there. And I think they need to let the creativity flow um, and let these wrestlers make the money where they can. I think it's only going to help them. Well, speaking of money, uh, quick dive in on the stock watch, gentlemen. Forty-two, forty-six. We're actually down two dollars right now. So I think between Friday and today, being Thursday, the day of the recording, since all of this is released, I, I feel like there's been uh, some damage to the brand as well. So they saw a little drop. And as yeah. we've been talking about, one of the main reasons why I was really looking at the stock price in the beginning was really more for the corporate barometer to figure out why we wanted to see, uh, you know, we saw what the, the universe wanted to see as a, uh, as kind of, you know, whether you got the, this is awesome chance or whatever. Well, when the stock's rising, that's when the market actually thinks that the brand is awesome. So, you know, those are, those are, that's really the only reason why we ever started talking stock price in the first place. So, if anybody's yeah. taking this out of context, uh, please do not take my uh, stock price uh, engagement at any point seriously or do anything with it. And it certainly wasn't we, Bobby. It was just you <laughs> with the stock. Also true. Bum, bum, Perfect. All right. So that's, Perfect. that's some good stuff. That was some good talk. Honestly, we could probably spend a whole episode on this, this topic, but uh, I encourage you guys, if you want a good, good read, check out Mikey Cash's blog. Uh, he has some more on it. Google it. I, I will tell you that they have backtracked a little bit from their statement because they had a lot of um, backlash uh, from, from what they did. And they've kind of 
they really didn't change much, but they made a softer statement, I feel like, for the wrestlers. But we'll see how it turns out. I think you're going to have a lot of angry, angry wrestlers still. So moving on, um, let's 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 talk about the subject of the day here. We have our baby face and our best heels. So for those that don't know, a baby face is kind of your good guy and a heel is your bad guy. Um, so we all picked three um, and I figure we could kind of go through and just rattle them off. And I would, I would say, let's, let's name your top three um, uh, baby faces, just name them out. And then, you know, take a few seconds, few minutes here and talk about a couple points of why you picked them. We might have a couple overlaps here, so um, we can we can talk about that, too. So whoever wants to go first can go first. Uh, I will give my my three favorite faces. My favorite uh, for me personally are Brett, the Hitman Hart, John Cena and the American Dream. Hey, hey, baby, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> Oh, that was your third? Yeah, that was my third. Wow. Those are three good ones. So, yeah. What yeah. made you give us some reasons? Why did you pick him? Uh, well, Bret Hart, I, I feel like we've talked about him so much yeah. on this podcast that like we, we all had don't a need to go into great detail about why he was he was uh, an awesome, uh, awesome good guy. He was always somebody that people could get behind. The visors, we would go out into the crowd and give the kid the visor. I just love that. Um it, it, he was great. He he was awesome. He was really like I said. He's easy to get behind. He always had uh, this sort of virtuous side to him when he was, you know, when he would cut his promos. Even though not all of them were that great, I can admit that his his promo work was not the best. But his in ring work more than made up for it. The way that guy sold could get you behind him. He was able to elicit sympathy in a match like not a lot of people I've seen, and. It, his his technical prowess again we can go on and on but that's why i chose bret hart john cena i know that it's an unpopular opinion but it's something that i probably wouldn't have chosen like maybe even five years ago but i've really softened on this and and i think it's because he's gotten older and we've sort of seen him phase out of the business but and reach this almost like legacy status with the crowds where, where even now they they don't really boo him you know like the, he was kind of very polarizing but the guy had a very loud and clear message. Never give up. Every fucking shirt, that guy, looking like a big giant bowl of fruity pebbles, to quote <laughs> The Rock, right? Didn't matter. But the, the guy's in-ring work just got better and better. The man knew how to sell. The man knew also how to turn a crowd that was against him to a crowd that ended up cheering him at the end. And that is genius. So I, I, w- I want to chime in here a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I thought about putting him on mine. I yeah. didn't because he, he was like the first person that was a baby face that people hated. Like I, there were people who loved him because his ticket sales were unbelievable. But it was like he was the first guy that was shoved down your throat. No nope. WWE. And to, uh, who was it? You, Rocky Maivia. Yeah, but he 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 was hate see here's the thing mango brought this up earlier and i think it's perfect with the roman reigns thing and it kind of yeah. goes to john cena you got to yeah. follow the reactions of your crowd you know not just the not just the prices my thing is they always say why didn't cena turn heel why didn't he turn heel if he had turned heel and then went back to babyface i think people would respect him a lot more because at least they would acknowledge the fact that there are enough people out there that hated that guy he mm. he i i, I 
I agree. He could be up there with baby faces, but for me, I couldn't pick that just because I see this guy that was just like, he's the man. He doesn't lose to anybody. It kind of just brought me back to like Hogan a little bit, but then he said, as time went on thinking of Hogan, as you were saying, (laughs) but I, again, he also seems like a guy that, that would, that would, you know, lose to someone to help get them over like he did to Kevin Owens. So I don't really know what that guy's deal was. I just think he was really liked. I will give him a lot of credit for being the biggest, biggest um, make a wish person of all time. Like yeah. that's phenomenal. I just, I, I, I so Vito, me that, was, that was, that was actually one of the main reasons why Cena is one of my top faces uh, because it wasn't just the embodiment of, um, of himself in the arena. It was also his community service work uh, and everything that he was doing behind the scenes. Um, I, I, I thought was fantastic for all of those make a wish foundation uh, dreams that he cashed in still the highest in him. And that record won't be broken. That's um, but him in the ring as well as um, behind the scenes. I, I thought he was just, great in both aspects and a great brand liaison as well. So that's why I got him on there. And and there's parts of that. I definitely agree with you on there, Bobby, that he, he lived up to sort of like the, the face moniker, right? He, he was the guy that all the kids to look up to everybody loved, unless you were people like us and you lived through the attitude era and you didn't like him. So, but he also, he, he's like the epitome of what WWE is today. Like that's the, I think that's, I think that's what bothers me about him. It's not that I don't think he's a good guy or a good wrestler. I mean, I don't think he's the greatest wrestler in the world. I think he's great on the mic. I'm sure he's loved in the locker room. I just, he's just that prototypical guy, you know, there's just no grit to him. And if WWE had, you know, morphed him a little bit to have some grit, I just, for me, I would, I would really like that. That's just my personal opinion. So yeah, wow. Vito, in in uh, in the t- December 2014 uh, interview, Vince McMahon said he was the last guy to grab the brass ring. John Cena was, and I'm he trying sure to think. Was. Like, did I don't I don't really remember. Mike was he was he really loved at the at the beginning, like when he, he first got over. So like w- when he first got over, he was big. So in like in 2005, he beats JBL at WrestleMania. JBL, yeah, and he wins the title, and people love this guy. It really wasn't until a little bit later on, and and I want to say it was almost it was it was right. Weirdly enough, it was sort of after he he fought. Um, I think it was Triple H at the following year's WrestleMania. People started to turn on him because Triple H was going heavy on the DX stuff and laying it on thick it and i think that started to sort of fuck with people and and it tapped into one our nostalgia and then we're like well this guy sucks he's nothing like that he's so he's so bland he's so cardboard he's so you know like you said prototypical wwe pg now so i yeah. think that to me his that, raps did suck though change. It, his his rap skills they they were pretty freaking atrocious so did, i just want to throw that stuff, out there Bob? i thought it was pretty fly for a white guy Hey, I bought his album and and met him. I also at Virgin Megastore. Okay, uh, it was it was a lovely wow. evening in two thousand five. Okay, so we little 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 uh, disagreement there on that one. Well, who was the third one you had on there again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, it's just hysterical that of course John Cena would still be polarizing even in this podcast as we discuss. Of course. <laughs> so of course, uh, living up to his name. 
Dusty Rhodes, I think he was sort of that original everyman guy. People yeah. just could get behind him. He his his ring work speaks for itself. The man again is able to elicit an emotion from people that that really just sympathize with him. You want to get behind this guy because he's like you, and that's yeah. what makes a good face. And right. I, and and this guy okay. had what you were talking about, Vito: grit, determination, never give up attitude. I, I that's why I chose Dusty. And he embraced his role. Like, yeah. he, like you, Im- yeah. again, the people that are real and they can embrace themselves and they're not like forced into doing this stupid gimmick, or even if they are forced into doing a stupid gimmick, but they own it. Those are the guys that come across as, as genuine. And whether it's, whether it's heelish or baby ish I just, I agree with you. You have to elicit that emotion. Yeah. Um, so those are, those were three really good ones. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'll go next. Um, and then we'll, cause I think I have, one similar to mango uh but we'll mine were okay i got ricky the dragon steamboat okay i got ray mysterio and i got mick foley okay um i'll talk about him real quick ricky the dragon i mean i don't know that i actually rick flair i think actually said this uh during an interview once that he's the greatest baby face of all time because he was literally probably the nicest guy you'll ever meet so he never turned heel he was always babyface, kind of John Cena before John Cena existed. But that was during a time when, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins was a, a big thing. And we didn't have a bunch of degenerates in society that loved DX and NWO. Um, so he he was, to me, was a champion. He still loved to this day as a babyface. Um, I, I think he's the ultimate, ultimate babyface of all time. I would agree with Ric Flair. I think people loved working with him, and he made his uh, opponents look better. And actually, I think the one feud that really pushed him over as a pure babyface was, um, I think it was against Macho Man. And I think Macho Man um, like maybe said something about his wife, or his, somehow his wife was involved. And I saw people in the crowd were crying. Like, that's how much emotion that it, it brought on. So Ricky was number one. Um, Ray Mysterio I had on there as well, uh, only because I think more so than any other wrestler, like he always has that David versus Goliath thing going for him. So everyone wants that underdog to win. Nobody wants the guy who, you know, is going to tear him up all the time to win. And, and, you know, all the kids loved him. He's got that mask that he has on and he has a great entrance. Um, just a really lovable guy. He's quick. Um, I, I, to me, I just feel like he was a really, really good baby face. And then the last one, and I'll let you guys uh, kind of chime in on it too, or any of these ones, um, was Mick Foley. Um, and I think, again, he kind of had this emotion of empathy from people too, where everyone kind of wanted, it's kind of like the, <laughs> I hate to say this, but kind of like the guy from, um, Oh my God. I'm not going to think of the movie. What's the movie with the treasure hunt where they have sloth, the Goonies, the Goonies kind of like, he reminds me of sloth from the Goonies. Like everyone just kind of felt bad for him, but he was funny. Um, and you know, he could, he could speak on the mic really well. You know, slogan was have a nice day. And he had a sock puppet as his mandible claw. Like I, you, come on, um, Mick Foley or, uh, Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Like you gotta, you gotta love him. Um, and he just always seemed like that guy that was very lovable, good on the mic. He did have his, his moments as mankind to cactus Jack, which I think is still pretty interesting because he, he was this like torn up creature that then came into this really likable character. Um, and I think people also had empathy for him because the guy brutalized his body. 
I mean, getting thrown off cages, uh, his ear was ripped off. I mean, the guy, surprisingly, I don't know how the guy walks today, to be truthful with you. Yeah, Vito, uh, with Mick Foley, also on my list, of course. Um, like you said, he did anything for, he could for the business to get people over. I think one of the most telling things about Mick Foley is uh, on the night of the finger poke of doom back in 96 or 97, the turning point in the Monday Night Wars. Uh, <laughs> Tony Schiavone announced that Mick Foley at, at that time, I think he was cactus. I don't know. I can't remember which he was mankind. Version of, he was mankind at the time. And they will, and Tony Schiavone, of course, everybody knows. He said, Oh, mankind's going to be their champion. That'll put butts in the seats. And to yeah. this day, Tony Schiavone has to answer for that because uh, yeah. Mick Foley did put people in the seats. Come on. <laughs> it was serious. It was great. Yeah. And I think the seg- I agree with you. Was it you know the where segment? he won that? Do you know where he won that? Was it Madison Square? No. In Worcester. Worcester, oh, Massachusetts. What better place? So he, he wins in you guys' home state, but he originates from my hometown of Long Island, New York. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, that that I like I said, I think we can all agree. These are these are really these are some good ones. Um, what were yours, Mango? Yeah, so uh, obviously on there I had Mick Foley for the reasons you said and for just a lot of reasons. I saw him in the um, – I think Bobby and Mike and a couple of the other guys were at the Mick Foley 20th anniversary of the getting thrown off the cage. He, he does like a one-man show where he just talks and tells a story, and it's amazing. He's just so good. He's so awesome. Um, my other two were – it's kind of funny. This guy was kind of a joker, Santino Morella. Uh, Morella whatever the guy who walked down to the ring kind of funny and this is the reason why okay so uh over the years you go to uh like a house show and there's always something to open up to like get you into the show and, and it, like get uh, something that i don't know if they really have right now but seeing him walk down the ring with his weird walk and and he was just i think he had his own version of mr Sacco at some point and uh, he wasn't like a main event guy. He was always in the background, but he was something that you need in a wrestling organization to like fill out a, a card and fill out a house show and make it interesting. So I had a really good time watching him years ago. Can I hold on? Can I? Yes. I, 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 did you see the, what was the finishing move called, Mike? I know you were going to say what it was. Uh, no, I, I, it was a snake on your hand. It was like, it was the like cobra. A, like I forgot the what cobra. it was called. It was the cobra. But dude, they did a segment where Great Kali, they were they were facing Great Kali, and um, he pulled out the snake to go like to go to finish off his opponent. And they showed the Great Kali playing like a uh, a flute, like they would, and it tamed the snake. And he was uh, going around. Oh, it, you gotta watch it. Go, it's hilarious. It's on YouTube somewhere. We My should favorite. probably throw that up on the uh, on the SFG Twitter. Yes, yeah. we will throw it on the Twitter. And if you don't know, our Twitter is at from underscore gorilla on the Twitter machine. Yep. Join us on the Twitter machine. We have a lot of good material up there. Uh, my third guy, and finally, I didn't want to put him on there because I didn't like him as a person outside the ring, but the ultimate warrior as a kid just got me going like no other guy. He's a guy that uh, just crosses over into the fifth dimension. The guy was just amazing. Uh, he was terrible on the mic, couldn't understand what he was saying. But when he ran down to the ring, 
oh my God, I'd run up and down the stairs in my house just thinking I was the ultimate warrior as a kid. It also depends on how you define terrible in the mic. Cause I feel like he was so bad. He was good. Like when my childhood yeah. days, I think about his, like, uh, he just mumbled jumble, but it was so bad. It was good. It like, fit yeah, at the time, you didn't know it was bad. You thought no. this guy's really from another planet. Like what, yeah. what is this guy talking about? Yeah, and then he shakes the rope. That was my favorite thing. Yeah. One of my favorite, the favorite, my favorite thing, obviously he won the title at WrestleMania six going back 30 years. I was six years old. Having him beat Hulk Hogan was bittersweet, but even as a six year old to go against Hulk Hogan and chair for the ultimate warrior is the ultimate sign of a baby face. And that's why he's my third guy. Awesome. Those are, those are good ones too. Uh, Bobby stone. Do you have, uh, do you have three baby faces before we get into the other side of the card? the heels so to uh to our earlier point uh i'll lead it off with uh john cena uh for reasons already mentioned uh next i have the rock um i just enjoyed anytime he was out on on the uh out on stage or doing a promo or whatever it was he was just really fun to listen to uh but last and uh not least i actually have the narcissist Lex Luger turning into just Lex Luger. So that conversation of us going from heel to face, and we can lead into that in just a little bit. But one of my favorites was on the USS Intrepid when he body slammed Yokozuna for the 4th of July and became uh, Lex Luger, the American hero. Like that was, that was just so much fun to watch you're getting all these guys basically breaking their back, trying to body slam uh, Yokozuna. Nobody could do it. Um, and, and here comes Luga, jacked up off this uh, probably line of coke that he just sniffed, coming off the helicopter. And then next thing you know, the whole just ring shakes. And and it was just a, a great USA special. So, um, so when we can talk about heels, uh, Luger was still one of them because of his uh, narcissism. I mean, he embodied everything that was the narcissist Lex Luger, and I hated every minute of it, just like I hated <laughs> every second of Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I love Triple H, hate Hunter Hearst Helmsley. That guy was a tool. Uh, and uh, my least favorite heel was uh, Rick the Model Martel. I personally loved but the Hitman Hearts Sharpshooter. Couldn't stand the Boston Crab. Uh, basically because I thought it was a ripoff because I was six at the time of the Sharpshooter and thought um, he was taking Bret Hart's finishing maneuver. And we all know the timeline. Yeah, Rick was doing that and it looked good. I mean, he was Johnny Cage for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Oh, no, those, those are good. In King of the Ring, you last I think a couple weeks ago you said uh, you were talking about the King of the Ring, Bobby. That was just amazing. Let me just say, I'm sorry. Really yeah, funny. no, that was some that was some really good stuff. So we have uh, some good some good heels here. Uh, I don't know if you have any you guys have any honorable mentions, but I don't know. I might have one uh, that you guys will probably disagree with, but I still think Sting Sting should be on there. He's an honorable mention. What is the a, icon? As a oh, yeah. as a face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think he. I think he should be on there. <laughs> uh, maybe. maybe he was Mr. WCW, so yeah. I, you, you got to give him the face. I mean, it it was never going to be the the Hulk Hogan. If, if you yeah. ever were to when when they were battling it out, I guess if you want to call it a battle at the point, um, you know, Sting was never going to be Hulk Hogan, but no, Sting Sting was cool to watch. Uh, I, I find still like it, Bret Hart better. I find it really interesting though that nobody nobody had Hogan on there, which I think is very interesting because he could be uh, one of the better. I mean, if not the best babyface of all time, really. But then he also played a heel extremely well at a time that that fit him really well. Yeah, I you're right. I mean, he well, he is the he is the ultimate face. He's also the ultimate heel. So right. Um, right. I mean, it's That's tough to I really just pick. It's tough to pick the. The easy ones, you know, you want to kind of them. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, too, I feel like he was like Cena. I feel like they tried to do to Cena what they did to Hulk Hogan. Like, and it just wasn't the right time. Like I talked about before, like people didn't want to see the Hulk, like the, the, the Hulk Hogan's of the world at that time. You know what I mean? Like you had some kids who did. I I, I don't know. I just, well, well, and, and I think the, the reason you don't hear the same about, the reason we talk about Hogan differently than we talk about Cena is that we hear tons of his- historical accounts of Hogan purposely making sure that he was the yeah. one to continue to go over. You don't True. really hear that about Cena. Like, True. He was Ooh, looking for people. It's like, True. Cena uh, took on damage quite often in, in some matches. Uh, as, uh, one that comes to mind is the uh, Brock Lesnar uh, John Cena match when that was brutal. Cena just died. Yeah, he took yeah. twenty-seven suplexes. That, that was <laughs> uncomfortable to watch. There was another one on Raw where he fought. I don't know if you guys remember this. He, you know, Mike, you turned me. I don't. I never liked Cena, but the way you talk about him, it makes sense. I, I do like Cena now. I guess. Yeah. yeah. It, it was Cena versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins broke his nose. Do you remember? Oh, uh, yeah, there was blood everywhere. His nose was pushed to the other side of his face, and he just, like, got up. Like, nothing was going on. And just Yeah. I mean, he might have been concussed, too, so that might have been why. But still, never give up. It was a great match for Raw. I mean, you don't see that nowadays, obviously. By God! That's what I was saying. I was waiting for it. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> There ain't no love in the heart of the city, baby. No, oh, you guys. So you're you're so now you've switched sides. You've you've gone to the other team, Mango, huh? You're now so team takes. I work wow. for two minutes, wow. and uh, I'm very comfortable. Easy. Anthony, yeah. I mean uh, Vito, whatever your name is, <laughs> whatever your name is, you can talk for a minute and turn me to the other side. You already did talk about. It. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's no. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, the, the perfect. Okay, this is a great transition. We will go into we talked about baby faces now. Let's go into heels, right? Um, some of the heels, you know, we got some really good ones. Uh, whoever wants to you want to go in the same order, we can Mike. Why don't you start us off with your heels? Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Vito. My for my heels, uh, I'm I'm basically going from like three to one. So that that's the way I'm doing this. So um my this my number three for me is uh superstar Billy Graham. Uh, he's not someone that I, uh, obviously none of us were really alive for his run, but I went back, I watched the DVD 20 years too soon, which is the the story of superstar Billy Graham. And it, it kind of, it chronicles his career 
throughout the the 70s and 80s specifically, which is when his prime was. And you see what this guy was doing on the mic. The guy had had an energy, had a charisma about him that made people hate him. When you think about doing what he was doing at the time, wearing the tie-dye shirts, being very colorful, it was something that 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 especially in in that time frame triggered a lot for people. So they they naturally hated the guy. And and it, in some ways, he yes, he was a great heel. He was very cocky. He was that that sort of chicken shit heel, but. This guy was unbelievably agile, very athletic, incredibly strong. The the guy beat Bruno for his his one and only uh, WWF championship run and lost it in anticlimactic fashion to Bob Backlund. No offense to Bob Backlund, but that should never have happened. Um, Yeah, Vito, you wanted to say something? No, I'm going to let Mango go. Mango looks very upset. I just think you sorely underestimate Bob Backlund. His trunk, <laughs> everything. Oh, the, the, yeah, chicken the chicken wing? wing? Yeah. Come on. Okay. All right. Well, back, my mom back the chicken wing at the age of eight. <laughs> <laughs> but, that but, chicken wing was quite just, it looked terrible. I would never want to get a hold of, get somebody put that on me. And he sold it like a bastard, too. I mean, he was flailing guys around in that chicken wing. He oh, looked right. like the teacher from. Dario with his eye just absolutely popped out anytime he went nuts. So didn't Bob Backlund. Uh, true story. I have a Bob Backlund signed suspender shirt. It's a white t-shirt with fake suspenders on it when he was running for Congress and he signed oh my it. God. <laughs> you, you need to post a picture of that on our Twitter. Uh, sure. will. Uh, we will post that on Twitter. Are you saying Bob Backlund has WWE title wins against Bret Hart and superstar Billy Graham. That is correct. Wow. Unfortunately. So Backs. well, b- back to, uh, to Billy Graham here. Okay. Not the evangelist, but the superstar. Okay. When you, when you look at some of the stuff he was doing as a heel, he was a clear influence to guys later on, like macho man, like Hogan, uh, like the use of brother in a promo was something that he was originating with. And, and something that, that obviously wrestlers all over the world ended up taking that later on. But anyway, moving on from, uh, from Billy Graham, my next one, my number two is The Rock. And I, I, I specifically said The Rock in, in a certain time frame from 1997 through 1998. That was when he really turned it on. When he joined the Nation of Domination, the guy was so pissed off that everybody didn't like him when he was getting shoved down our throats as Rocky Maivia and he got a knee injury and they almost fired him. So then he comes back, he joins the nation, joins Ron Simmons and Papa Shango. He's under a great learning tree. He also becomes friends with D'Lo Brown and sexual chocolate Mark Henry. What could go wrong there? Okay. <laughs> it was a recipe for success, uh, but laid the groundwork for how he laid his promos. And, and again, like Billy Graham, he was so good at being a heel that eventually with his ring work, with the great rivalries he had with Triple H, with Ken Shamrock, uh, even even later on with Mankind, uh, it, eventually it, it turned into a really great face run. And last but not least, my, my number one is August 1997 until WrestleMania 14, Shawn Michaels. That guy was on fucking fire at the time. He also was likely on massive amounts of somas and other types of illegal substances. Now, 
unfortunately, I do kind of think that that was the reason he was so good at what he was doing at the time. Uh, his in-ring work was amazing, but his promo work, holy shit. If you guys watch Monday Night Raw, I think it's it's either a week or two after the Montreal screw job happens. So it's looking in November, early December. He has this segment where he they they basically set up Jim Jim the Anvil and they turn on him. They make him think he's gonna join DX and they beat the shit out of him. And he is so violent and so vicious and so visceral. This is that side of him and that original DX was much different than what we got later on when he left and what happened later on in like 2006 when they they uh they reunited so for that reason i i think he he's up there as my number one mike uh when you say Shawn michaels the best heel uh you know the best heels the best faces are always the people that can be themselves but just turned up a little bit higher and that's exactly what Shawn Michaels was. You could tell he was an asshole in real life. He was an asshole, even bigger asshole in front of the screen. I mean, especially when he was doing stuff like the sunny days where yeah, calling out I, Bret I have Hart. That here. Yeah, in my notes. Yep. Yeah, not, not good stuff. So, no, those are really good heels. So, when he went from uh, the Rockers to the very first Heartbreak Kid, I was listening to some some older wwf music and gentlemen i want you to take a quick listen to to the beginning of this sherry's having an orgasm for christ's sakes (laughs) trying to introduce him and i wasn't ready for any of that and i uh nobody was i i I now understand why the hbk music of now that i remember uh, sounds completely different uh, once he turned to a face because he went heel right out of the out of the gate. He needed to be the heartbreak, heartthrob, big douchebag douchebag that everybody wanted to get a piece of, I guess. Um, and then he became one of the best technical wrestlers that ever that ever hit the ring. Uh, loved watching uh, Shawn Michaels. And uh, Bret Hart matches because they were fantastic um, for intercontinental titles, by the way. Yeah, I don't even know how that wasn't a, a heavyweight title. Those were fantastic. But uh, I digress. I just wanted to give you that snippet. No, it's good stuff. I Those are good heels. Um, Mango, do you want to you want to go next? Oh, sure. Uh, I think we actually have one of the same on our on our list as well. So I wanted to. That's why of- I'm letting you go now, because I had Thanks. to go and steal one of yours. So. Still in my thunder. Okay, so I'll go in no particular order. Um, like we said, uh, I think the best heels are people that can just turn up their own personality. In my number one, I'll go from best to worst. Uh, well, not best to worst. First one to three is the Nature Boy Ric Flair. I think he was the ultimate heel of all time. The guy that they called the dirtiest player in the game in his WCW days, his pokes in the eye, his chicken shit stuff. But on top of that, he could also go in the ring. So he was the perfect guy to go against uh, a, a piece of crap like Sting or just kidding. Or uh, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. They had some great matches in the early 90s. When Ric Flair came over to WWF, him and Macho Man had a great rivalry. Um, unfortunately, there was no Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair uh, WrestleMania match that could have happened. 
my second guy is CM Punk. And I think, um, yeah, so for CM Punk, I think he was a great uh, baby face in some portions of his career. But the time I'm talking about specifically is his one-year run as WWE champion with Paul Heyman by his side, where every time he came out, Paul Heyman was like, the champion for so many days. And then he finally broke the record, actually held the title for longer than anybody else, I guess, or something. Uh, Cause there's so many titles now who knows. Um, and he was just so great in the mic. So such an asshole to the fans and everybody. Uh, Vito, do you want to chime in on CM Punk? Yeah. I was just going to say um, I, those are, yeah. And when he did the pipe bomb too, he kind of went against the norm. You know, I, I just, I, I thought he was, Awesome on the mic and awesome in the ring. I just thought he was great. I I think towards the end, he got a little bit cocky to some degree, and it kind of pissed me off, which is, you know, another exactly. reason I think he's a good heel. Yeah. He just, you know, they, they were giving him all these chances, and it just was never good enough for him. So, uh, but no, I thought he was he was on there for one of my top heels, too. Yeah. And uh, my last guy was, uh, thanks, Vito, is uh, Eric Bischoff as the leader of the NWO. Even as a kid, even as a 12-year-old, I hated this guy. And I hate him to this day. Sometimes I'll be on YouTube and and I'll be flashing through, like, different snippets just to, you know, do things. And and you see Eric Bischoff's name come up and he's just blabbing on his podcast. And he's just so full of shit. He's, he, he's just uh, the guy you love to hate. Yeah, he's the guy that, you know, the, the slick back hair. I think I said it before, reminds you of that lawyer that everyone hates, that thinks he's got everything. The one-upper, just like better than you, the weaselly laugh. Nah, it's a good one. That's a good one. You don't, you don't really, he doesn't have to do much for you to hate him. He's kind of a sleazy dude. So, um, go ahead, Mago. Yeah, I was just going to say, I guess I just picked him also, not necessarily as a heel, but just a guy I freaking hate. I just hate yeah. the guy. No, I would agree. I agree with you. I think I think we all kind of have a, a hate for him in general here. Um I'll do I'll do mine now. Um I mine were so I had CM Punk on there. Okay. My number one was actually Vince McMahon. Yeah, Bobby's gonna love this one. Very BKM. Thin. Yeah, yeah. You know, I That's the reason guy. yeah, the reason I thought he was a um really good heel, uh, he was the guy that reminded you of your boss. Right. And he, he always just like, he had the perfect look. He had that perfect like transformation of, of a guy who was like the announcer to then, Oh yeah, he's actually the owner. And then he gets involved and he's trying to screw stone cold. And I thought, you know, that was one of the best segments in wrestling history. And I don't think it would have been the same without him. And I don't think Austin would be where he is without him. Now he's not a good wrestler by any means. Cause he has tried. He's terrible, but but I'll give him that. He did He did a pretty good job there. Um, we talked about CM Punk already. Uh, he was he was on there. Uh, my other one is uh, Kurt Angle. I He was a heel that I actually enjoyed. Like, he was the guy that you just hated because he would come out. When, I'm talking specifically when he first came into WWF. I mean, he came out there, and he would throw some great one-liners to the crowds. He'd have a whole story. You know, it just, and then he had that head shake, like, oh yeah, it's true. It's damn true. You know? <laughs> so he, he was up there for me. I, I just thought he was great. I thought he was a good, <laughs> I thought, I thought he was a good, um, uh, baby face too, but as a heel, he just shined. Yeah. He's perfect. His personality his everything. Yeah. He was hysterical. It was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, but I, I, the other guy I want to talk about too is he's a new, new current current wrestler that for some reason um, also reminds me of a really, really, really good heel. He kind of reminds me of Kurt Angle, and that's uh, MJF. I I don't know what it is, but the guy is yeah. a fantastic heel. Like he was meant to be a heel. If you watch his promos, um, and and like he's just a dick in real life too. And it just, it's, it's awesome. I, if you, if you haven't watched him, I, I, I truly think he's going to be one of the better guys um, uh, out there. So uh, those are mine. MJF uh, is from Long Island. And I can tell you that he reminds me of the guys I fucking hated in high school. So yeah. he's doing, he's doing a great job. Yeah, he is doing a great job. I I give him a lot of credit. So, um, and I think his segment with Cody was pretty good. When he, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he he made Cody come out and take like ten lashings on the back, and you just made you hate him. And then he had a, a segment with Diamond Dallas Page, um, talking about his his daughter, and like it was just, I mean, it's way over the top, but he pulls it off really well. Pulls it off really well. Um, and then, Bobby, we got we got all of yours. Can you refresh yes. us? Um, well, I don't remember them, so we'll just go with that. I know Lex Luger, Rick the Model Martel, and potentially somebody else in there. I guess we're going to have to review the tape. Um, but I do have a couple of honorable mentions, uh, which would be Jerry the King Lawler. Good one. He was a fantastic heel. Um your other and, one was Triple H, by the way. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Triple H. Oh, oh that, that's right. Yes, because I hated Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Love Triple H. Still that's hate the, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Though. Right, that's the Connecticut what a dick. guy. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was the, you know, he his promos were definitely in Connecticut, in his Rolls Royces, and yeah, I, I didn't like that guy at all. But I do want to bring up one uh, one in particular, which was Crush coming out uh, against um, Randy. Uh, Randy Savage was uh, his mentor at the time. And um, later on, he ended up getting into a bit of a feud on Raw. Uh, and you're going to have to dig deep on the archives on this one. I want to say this is in like 92, 93. But he ended up coming out with Yokozuna, Jim Cornette, and Mr. Fuji. And that became a uh, quite a tag team that uh, that did some damage. Yeah, no, those are those are some good ones. I, I have to say, and I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but I really feel like Yokozuna is in every story that Bobby Stone tells us. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I literally, we're going to have to listen to this for this. Now. I thought he was on the Lex Express. I didn't know he, he loved right. Yokozuna that much. It's Don't the third time tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yokozuna's my guy. Yeah, he's your guy. He, I mean, he's the ultimate fat guy in wrestling. Like you like the the big guys. He's he's the one. <laughs> um, so no, those are all great. Um, I know we're short on time here, so I kind of want to wrap things up with our final thoughts. Uh, but um, uh, you know, some great heels, some great baby faces. Uh, I think we touched on a lot of them. Again, if you disagree, think we missed somebody, please uh, tweet at us at from underscore gorilla on the Twitter machine. Um, and 
you know, speaking of that, I actually had someone who did disagree with us. Uh, I have a, a friend who said uh, he could not believe and he was outraged that um, Bruno San Martino was not on anyone's Mount Rushmore. And of course, this friend is also 20 years older than us. And I said, yeah, I never saw him wrestle and neither did anyone on this podcast. So he could have been the greatest thing since sliced bread, but none of us would even know that. So, yes, um, you know, in if you if you have to argue with us, feel free. We love it. We love a good controversy around here. Um, so if you have suggestions, let us know. But let's get into our final thoughts here. Um, actually, before we get into final thoughts, I, I want to say, you know, we don't talk about this much, but Bobby Stone is the the leader of men. He does the producing here. So we want to give a big shout out. Every time you listen to this, um, it's edited by Bobby, usually on the same day, same night. Uh, the man doesn't sleep. So we just want to thank him. You hear the the great sound bits. That's all from, from Bobby Stone. So um, we just want to give some credit where credit is due. But let's get into final thoughts. Um, whoever Much wants appreciate to go it, first. gentlemen. Much appreciate No problem. Uh, whoever wants to go first, final thoughts. We have a few minutes left here. Hey, I'll, I'll lead us off on the final thoughts. And I uh, just want to jump. You know, I'm, I might sound a little preachy tonight to the uh, starting from gorilla audience, but that's because I've been drinking scotch. And that will explain everything. But I just want to, my final thoughts relate to a word. And I want to meditate on this word. It's one of the most important words in wrestling. And also one of the most forgot about in, uh, forgot about words in wrestling. The word is charisma. I read a book actually about charisma because I was trying to learn how to have some, uh, even more than I already have. And they described charisma as the ability to kind of express your emotions in many different ways towards somebody in a believable way. It almost sounds like wrestling one-on-one. So you can be funny. You can be like a CEO giving a presentation. Like you, you got to be funny to draw them in. You got to be, you got to be factual and be believable and trustworthy. You also need to throw in some salesmanship. And that's something that's really missing. I think in the WWE and I, I hate to harken back to it. Uh, I, it was in my opening statement. And I think that Miro, <laughs> I'm like in love with this guy. It's really weird. He has charisma. And I think the way that they brought him out last night as the best man was perfect because he looks menacing. He looks believable. He's funny. He can smile and then do his flex where he looks savage two seconds later. And that's the epitome of charisma. And that's how a wrestler gets over. One on one. Thank you. Love it, Mango. Where's the fatality right there? Perfect. I need that. That's that's great. How do you follow that up? But we're gonna let Mikey Cash do that. I don't think I can follow that up. I can only try to bounce off of that and and take some of what you said about charisma and and relate it to to some of the heels and faces that we were talking about tonight. So I would encourage all of our listeners to either go on the WWE Network or go on YouTube, start looking up. All of the promos uh, from Shawn Michaels in late 97 into early 98 at this time, you'll see what we're talking about when you talk about charisma, the the ability to come off as believable, to be deliberate, and to be genuine. It's it, it, he, it's a masterclass in it. And and also look up some, some of Rock's good stuff from, from before in, uh, in, in his heel run, and you got to see how he really started to form his foundation for, for the promo style that that he sort of perfected later on in 99 and 2000 onward. So that would be my recommendation to you. There is really no way to follow what Mango said. So I'm going to leave it at that. 
Good stuff. Good stuff, Mr. Bobby Stone. Well, um, I really don't have much for you tonight, so thanks. Mr. Bobby Stone, thank you very much. And uh, my final thought of the night, um, I don't know if you guys saw AEW last night, which actually, yes, I do know because we've talked about it, but there was a pile driver on AEW last night. It was, uh, I almost called him Goldust, but uh, Dustin Reynolds uh, pile drove Mr. Brody Lee, who is, God, I can't think of his name from WWE with Rowan. With, what's his, the, his partner's name? Everyone knows it. Luke Harper. Luke Harper, thank you. He, he, I saw that pile driver. My heart almost stopped. It was great to see. Um, some really, really, really good stuff there. And also, my last, my last, I know we're really, really short in time. So my my last thing is uh, All Out. Great stuff, too. Uh, got a lot of mixed reviews, but the Matt Hardy thing with the concussion, kind of crazy. I can't can't uh, can't wait to see what comes from that because it kind of goes into back to wrestlers' health again. So um, they they kept going with the match, and it was a big controversy. But check out check out AEW All Out. It was really good uh, and uh, awesome. So we want to thank everyone for for listening here tonight. Next week we will be talking about uh, the people that were the best on the mic and worst on the mic. So some good stuff next week. Remember to tweet at us uh, uh, from underscore gorilla on the Twitter machine. And uh, make sure you spade and neuter your pets. Have a great night. We now return your perception of reality to you. Until next time.